Hi, everyone. This is your host, Greg Myers, and this episode is part of our special series focused on diversity and inclusion. In this series, I will be talking with leaders in the payments industry and maybe some experts from outside of the industry about diversity and inclusion. It has been proven that a diverse workforce and diverse management team leads to increased creativity, better decision-making, reduced employee turnover, and increased profit, as well as many other benefits that we will be talking about. This special series is brought to you by WNET and PaySafe. WNET, or Women's Network in Electronic Transactions, is celebrating 15 years of helping women achieve greater personal success, influence, and professional parity in the payments and fintech industries. WNET is a not-for-profit organization with a mission of creating a stronger and more diverse industry by empowering and investing in women. Learn how at WNETonline.org. PaySafe is a leading global specialized payment provider. They've been driving innovation in and around payments for over 20 years all over the globe for both businesses and consumers. PaySafe believes diversity and inclusion is not just a checkbox, but rather a journey in which they are fully committed to being on around the world. Learn more at www.paysafe.com. I'm honored to be joined today on this, the 11th episode of our special series on DNI by Christy Richardson, the CEO of US Pay Group. Christy has been with US Pay since its inception in 2005. In January of this year, she was named the CEO. Prior to being named the CEO, she was the chief operating officer where her primary focus was on managing all aspects of the merchant boarding process, POS equipment programming, deployment, and risk management and loss prevention. Christy previously served as the Director of Corporate Services for Federated Payment Systems. Christy has over 15 years of concentrated experience overseeing company operations with concentrations in risk management, underwriting, and client services. Her diverse experience and constant diligence to stay current on industry developments makes her an invaluable asset to the US Pay team. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Christy. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast about diversity and inclusion. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much, Greg. It's a pleasure to be with you. Start by telling our audience a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, a few things like that, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So I grew up in Long Island, New York, specifically Bethpage, which is about 30 minutes away from Manhattan for any of those that are not familiar with Long Island. We talk fast. We have unique accents, so I'll try and slow it down. But I started college at Fordham University, and unfortunately, I was attending when September 11th happened. And quite frankly, it was just hard to stay there after. It was otherworldly to be so close to that event and to see so many affected. So I decided to transfer back to the island, and I finished my degree up at Hofstra University's business school. I'm married to a wonderful man who has a crazier schedule than I do, which is hard to achieve currently, but we do it somehow. And I've always been fortunate enough that he's supported me without hesitation along all my career goals and vice versa. We have two beautiful children. Kenley is eight, Landon is four. And I do get asked a lot about what my hobbies are or what I do in my spare time. And 
my standard answer right now and for the last eight years has been I have two children, so we give lots of baths. Uh, I enjoy learning common core math for a second grader, and currently I'm teaching the sounds of letters. I kid, but I enjoy any time that I could spend with my family or together as a family, and also I'm an avid reader, so you could usually find me with a book reading in my free time. I volunteer in my spare time as well, and I'm currently serving as the chair of the webinar committee for WNET in the payments industry, as well as my role as CEO at US Pay Group. Great, great. Well, tell us a little bit about US Pay Group, and you were obviously recently named the CEO there. So tell us a little bit about the company and a little about the background on being named the CEO. Yeah, absolutely. So we are registered ISO with the card brands. Uh, we just celebrated our 16th year in business, which has been Really quite an achievement and exciting to be with. I've been with the company since inception, and I feel like what's unique about US Pay Group is that we have a heavy focus on clients that are in the healthcare industry. So we really try and take a consultative approach to each of the clients that come on board, and we also really partner with them to listen to their pain points and you know how we can help them, how we can match technology to their needs and really ensure that their partnership with US Pay Group is beneficial for them. That's the most important. I've been in so many different areas of payments throughout my career. I started as a telemarketer, which I had mentioned to you on our initial call, funny enough. Mm-hmm. I did phone sales. I did in-person sales. And I transferred over to operations a little bit later, which was really where my training in risk management, compliance, credit, and underwriting was, which was the largest part of my career so far. So I worked as our chief operating officer for quite some time. And then, as you had mentioned, I was asked to take the role of CEO this past January. And, you know, for me, I thought leading in payments was challenging enough because payments is always changing and evolving. But managing and leading in a pandemic was something that I really could have never imagined. It was a difficult challenge. And I do thrive on challenges. But my role as CEO currently is very split. It's classic in nature, where communication is really a large part of what I focus on, as well as as our company strategy. But I try to bring a human aspect wherever I go, and I want to make sure that our employees were safe during the pandemic and that they feel good about where they work and who they work with, not for, because I do feel it's working together. And also, really, what we did to make US Pay Group what it is today and showing gratitude to each of the employees that are with us. Okay. I appreciate you sharing all of that. So as part of the DNI series that we're doing, let's kind of switch gears and start talking about that a little bit. Can you give me your view, maybe at the 50,000 foot level of what you think diversity and inclusion really means and how you define it? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's about a few different areas. It's about education, gender, race, sexual orientation, ethnicity, and age, which I feel is really doesn't get the attention that it deserves when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And I'm sure we could talk about that a little bit later, but you know, being able to be your authentic self and feeling that you have a voice and it's because of your individuality is so important. I think that, you know, that is the essence of diversity and inclusion for me. It's personal. It's different for everyone because we all bring a uniqueness based on our own personal experiences. And I think the most important part is having hard conversations that make you feel uncomfortable and what you're not familiar with and really taking you out of your own view. So for US Pay Group and for me personally, I always feel like it's just common sense that a diverse company will always perform better 
by hearing our employees, by listening to their points of views, and also really soliciting their feedback. That's really the essence of it. Okay. I appreciate you sharing that. Was there a moment in time or or what I like to call a tipping point when you knew or you decided that you wanted to play a role in helping other people regarding diversity and inclusion? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mentioned earlier that age is, it's really age and age is not always considered one of the top answers when you talk about diversity, but Gender and age have always really affected my career path. And I want to just mention that I chose to work for a company that really always treated me more fair than I could have ever imagined and gave me the opportunity to do what I needed to do here, regardless of my gender or my age. And that was so important for me in choosing to stay and really develop myself within the company. But, you know, in my past opportunities, I was always one of the few women's in payments on the sales side. And when I was asked to manage for the first time, not only did I have difficulties with being a woman, I was young and I was attempting to manage the careers of you know, people that were 20 plus years my senior. And and that was challenging. So I went into this perfect mode. I felt that, you know, because of my gender and age, I had to be 10 times more perfect and in front of everyone to gain their basic respect for me as a manager. When really I was there to help them to develop and further their careers. So I needed to kind of take a step back and take a hard look at myself and, and really begin to be me unapologetically. And I owe that to, you know, having a growth mindset and making sure that I'm continually focusing on that. And it's important that not only, you know, we do that on a daily basis here, but we spread that to our management who spreads that to our individual employees. It's one thing to talk about it, but really it's another thing to act on it. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you're a female CEO. There's not a lot of those in in payments. But do you feel like that helps to give you a platform to move diversity and inclusion forward in our industry? Yes, of course. I mean, I don't think of myself just as female in that sense. I'm I'm younger to be in my position. I'm a caretaker. I'm a mother. And I try to be a constant learner, like just to name a few of what I think of myself. And I feel like all of those things have really are normal life platforms that are those platforms for change that help diversity and inclusion move forward. Okay. Throughout my career, I've been involved in a lot of different groups and um, associations and things like that. And, And oftentimes, we sort of see the same people active in these groups. How do we get more people across different aspects of the business and people in different points in their career, how do we get them more involved in in these kind of groups that can often help move things like diversity and inclusion forward? Oh, this is such a great question for me, Greg. I mean, it's just really the essence of, you know, why I decided to get involved in different groups and organizations. But I think there's nothing more attractive in any group or organization or association to see diversity, inclusion, and action from a member perspective. So not from a leadership perspective, but really from just being a member. And I'm sure it's been said a million times over the last year, at least a million, but I feel like the pandemic really placed a very well-needed spotlight on people in all different stages of their career having to connect virtually. And I think it leveled the playing field in a lot of ways. And I just don't think in 2021 that a person's ability to feel connected or join a group needs to be in person. And I don't want that mistaken as I feel that virtual platforms should be our norm moving forward. They shouldn't. But it definitely proved to be an alternate way to give people voices that normally may not have had the opportunity. And I think that 
a company should always allow, you know, allow employees time for career development, and they should encourage participation in groups and organizations that are within that same industry. No matter what stage you're in, it's what brings BNI into fruition. Yeah, that's um, interesting. My my sort of personal background on some of that, you know, whenever I went to work, you know, with Chase Payment Tech, which was my first foray into payments, I really sort of just kept my head down and and worked. And you know, I thought that was the way to success, and I didn't do a, a lot outside of that at first. And I think. You know, sometimes that's a mentality that people have and they either either don't have the personality to want to join these groups or they they think they're for some reason maybe afraid of these groups or, you know, there's some reason that they don't want to get involved. But I think it's such an important part of anyone growing their career is to get involved in those kinds of organizations. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what really propelled me to you know, want to help out and want to help out other individuals within our industry and also made me want to stay within this industry from a young age. Yeah. You know, I want to kind of loop back to something you mentioned about, and this is a, a topic we haven't really discussed in any of the the podcasts that we've had, but I, I think it's interesting. You talked about managing people that were much older than you. Can you maybe go into a little bit of detail of sort of, you know, I'm sure at first that was a scary thing, but over time, like how did you adapt and, and manage those people effectively? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was completely scary because, you know, the first issue is gender and then the issue is age. And for me, age has been always kind of a pain point and and why I've created an organization of, you know, individuals who really vary by age because they bring a unique perspective to the organization. But for me personally, I mean, you know, originally sales is tough as it is. And that is a humbling position being able to just do in-person and phone sales. But I really took the perspective of having to be, you know, 10 steps ahead of everyone I was managing and making sure that anything I was executing or putting out there had no holes in it or, you know, couldn't be tested or couldn't be brought down for whatever reason. Almost as kind of like a fear factor that if I was perfect, I would be able to gain their respect no matter how much older they were than me. And that was really just a a miserable failure because Once you are able to talk to people as humans and not so much as, you know, manager to employee, but almost like a peer, like we're on the same team, I'm here to help you. What I was able to do was kind of refocus and it really became more of a learning exercise for myself and for them. And I I learned that everyone learns in a very different way. Some are visual, you know, it, it just depends on their background and what they're comfortable with. So for me, it wasn't so much managing the group anymore and showing to them that, you know, I could do this, I could be perfect at this, I could help you close deals, we could have more production. It was taking the time to get to know them on an individual level and then finding what their strengths were and utilizing them and also working on their weakness in a professional manner. And I think that's what helped me kind of go to that next level where they began to ignore my age and just really respect my experience and and what I could do for them. But I had to learn that and they had to learn that. And I still encounter that every single day. I'm a younger CEO. I've always been in roles where I was probably younger than most of the people or I was the only female in the room or maybe I wasn't Ivy League educated or didn't have, you know, this certain degree. But you know, that stuff doesn't matter. It's the skill you bring forward. It's the motivation and it's the hard work that you put forward and how to connect with individuals. 
Yeah, switching gears a little bit, going to talk about U.S. Pay Group again. So a lot of the larger companies that I've talked to, you know, they have, you know, these specific ERG groups and many times they have multiple ERG groups. Is there anything that U.S. Pay Group does like systemically to to help people with sort of this? I think it's more of the inclusion side of things, but do you guys do anything specific around that? So specifically surrounding ERG groups, we don't have anything yet, but as part of my role of CEO, and we've had some changes internally here, that's something that I'm definitely looking into as I learn more about that from larger organizations. I haven't had the opportunity to work for many larger organizations. So, you know, networking with different individuals gives me the way and ideas that larger organizations do it. And I think that smaller organizations have the ability to do that as well. But one thing that we do that's unique is anytime we have a company change or a company decision, you know, we sit down with management. We sit down with the individual employees, whether they've been here for two weeks or whether they've been here for 15 years, and we solicit that feedback on their ideas, how they think it's going to affect their position, their daily lives on, you know, really on a daily basis. And we make sure that when we're making those decisions, that we're keeping all of this in mind the best that we can for an organization. And we try to be flexible in that manner. Okay. So we're going to circle back and talk about the industry again. Do you think there are specific change agents within our industry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have such a strong connection to WNET. And I originally joined with a friend. I wanted to be change in the industry. I wanted to be heard. And I wanted to hear from different people about their experiences. And I felt like WNET gave me that opportunity because they looked at me as an individual, not as a name or a title or part of a specific company, which was really nice. So I developed the webinar committee with them from inception. And I can't thank the leadership team enough for tasking me and trusting me with that you know, I was not well known, even though I was in it for a decade in the industry already, which is kind of silly that you can't be well known within your own industry because of the company that you work for. I hadn't worked for any major acquirers throughout the U.S. And it really didn't matter to them. It just mattered that my drive was there. And that was so refreshing. I felt like they started focusing on career development and still do and help with topics that were that really employees may not have had a well-developed skill set for, like, you know, your professional brand or, you know, how to negotiate emotional intelligence and mentorship, which mentorship is so important. And then really more recent topics of gender bias or identity bias or, you know, how to have courageous conversations about race. So I think WNET is definitely on the forefront of the industry and is, is clearly a change agent. Mac is a great organization. I haven't had the opportunity to join them in really any other capacity besides being a member, but they're focused on making sure that members are educated and making sure that there's that constant communication, which is really crucial to the payments industry and making sure that there is that integrity there. And for sure, I definitely think ETA. In 2020, I was honored to be chosen as one of the 40 under 40 recipients for them. And that brings recognition to a very diverse group of individuals who've made significant contribution to the payments industry at a young age. And I think it's important to highlight that. And if you look at those list of individuals that were awarded, we all have very diverse backgrounds. We are very different individuals. And to be recognized like that is an important step and is part of those change agents. Sure. So what do you think 
drove you to go to WNET and and want to get involved and you know more than just join as a member, but you you sort of had a mission and and really wanted to to make a difference. Where did that drive come from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I don't know if I ever really envisioned when I was younger in high school, going through college. You know, you're kind of just if you don't know exactly what you want to do in life you almost feel sometimes like you're floating. And when I took that first position in sales or really in telemarketing, which was just to kind of get by, I was starting to do some research about payments. And I saw that it was, you know, the people I was working with, it was very male-driven, but also the females that were being highlighted in the industry, I thought, you know, I could do that. I like what I know so far. And I want to be recognized for helping out within this industry. But then as I kept reading, it was a lot of the same individuals from the same companies and the world works on small businesses and small corporations and organizations. And I thought what was nice about WNET was that it really didn't matter if I was from a large acquirer, from a small company or an ISO or just a singular ISO myself. So that was very attractive to kind of be recognized just on my own merit. But it was also scary to kind of throw yourself out there and start networking with these really professional women who have had tremendous careers. So that's why I also think, you know, being able to be virtual was really important with me with the webinars and also just networking because it gave me the opportunity to be on the same playing field as individuals who had a little bit more leisure in their career to travel and to go to our trade shows and to be part of different organizations. Right, right. So you've been in payments about the same amount of time, I guess I have about 15 or so years, I think. How do you think the industry as a whole is doing on this diversity and inclusion topic? You know, I think that we're a work in progress and I believe we're on the right track, but conversations like you and I are having right now and what you're doing is crucial. And I thank you for that so much and for the opportunity, of course, but also conversations with leadership and then speaking with management and speaking with employees and making sure that we're on the same page and really spotlighting topics that bring recognition to all areas of diversity and inclusion are what will help this conversation continue to move forward so that it is the norm and not something we're just consistently striving to. Yeah. Do you... um think that there's more, I mean, obviously there's more we can we can do as an industry. Do you have any uh, specific ideas of things that we could do to advance the topic? I mean, obviously, you know, part of my goal with this whole series was to, to bring awareness. I mean, it was such a important topic. You know, the country as a whole went through so much in 2020, not just the pandemic, but, you know, other incidents in the, in the country that, that were going on that just this felt like the right time to get this conversation out there, but there's got to be more we can do. Have you have you thought of any other things that we as an industry could or should be doing? Absolutely. I mean, I think training is definitely something that we all need. And, and when I say training, it's just the ability to have these hard conversations and ask questions that we ourselves are just unfamiliar about with people's experiences. And I think it doesn't really necessarily have to be you know, an organization within this industry that just spotlights diversity and inclusion. But it should be an organization that, you know, helps different individuals within their career, whether they're just starting, whether they're about ready to retire, or if they're somewhere in the middle, 
that teaches them how to have these tough conversations and also gives them a platform to speak about their experiences. That's a big deal because I do think that the conversations that you know, I may have had with employees or about some of the events that are going on within the U.S. over the last few years haven't always been easy because you're afraid to say the wrong thing. You're afraid to ask the wrong question. When you kind of just have to rip off the Band-Aid and ask those questions and get that feedback. But besides getting that feedback, you have to put it into action. And I think that all leaders within a company have a responsibility socially to all of their employees to take these lessons and apply them from the top down, but also to ensure that we're hearing our employees. Yeah, I think that's that's some very good advice. Well, Christy, we've covered a lot of ground on this topic. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss or leave with the audience? Absolutely. I think if you're passionate about something, I think you should keep at it. I wouldn't have been able to continue in my career if I didn't find a company that I felt was equally passionate about my actions and their own. And that being your authentic self is sometimes the hardest thing to be and it shouldn't be. But it's okay to feel uncomfortable with what you don't know. If you're not successful the first time or have the knowledge the first time, it shouldn't be a deterrent. You should ask and it should be a motivator and also to really focus on having a growth mindset and that emotional intelligence factor is so important. So that's kind of what I would like to leave the audience with. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all your great insights on this topic. And again, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Greg. Thank you so much for everything. That was Christy Richardson, the CEO of US Pay Group, in our 11th episode of our special series on diversity and inclusion. Without the support of our sponsors, WNET and Paysafe, we wouldn't be able to bring you this special series. Join WNET on April 13th to discover techniques to get the credit you deserve and to position yourself proactively for recognition. In this webinar with WNET Board Director Laura Gibson, the Senior Manager of ProTivity, we will discover ways to be strategic in how we present our work and our ideas so our unique worth is acknowledged. Go to WNETonline.org and select the events calendar to register for the Art of Taking Credit and Having Your Voice Heard webinar. And Paysafe invites you to learn more about Paysafe, their offerings, international culture, and unique team by visiting paysafe.com. To learn more about the entire diversity and inclusion series, visit us at leadersinpayments.com.